Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on with you? Welcome inside Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast. Josh Shaw, Ryan Buckeye. I'm disappointed, Josh, because this week somebody asked us if we had Two Guys, One Shaker Cup t-shirts for sale. And I thought for sure when we did our first podcast from that, you'd be wearing the deep V in which I proposed should be the official two guys, one shaker cup shirt. And there you are with a Texas Longhorn pull. Unbutton those two top buttons and it's damn near a V. I know, I know. That's what I need. Maybe that's what I'm going to do in my new videos from now on. It's just going to be like straight unbutton the whole way. I would. And just see like no shirt underneath, no anything, no professionalism, just straight up like a Jersey Shore or what was that one funny video? Um, my new haircut like that. Yes. Uh, that YouTube video that was like viral for a long time. That was, that was epic. in like the bro uh, workout. Well, you're, you're, world. you're close. You're close personal friends with Jack O'Walk, right? I mean, he dresses down. I mean, you you guys can have the old bang energy club, baby. You, I mean, that could be, you could bring that vibe to the two guys, one shaker cup podcast. It can be a Josh Shaw revolution. <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting for my war chest of uh, jewelry and clothing to, to come. I, I don't know where it's at. Maybe it's if you get over the bang boat, necklace, yeah. if you get the bang pennant and you wear it on this show, that is going to be the best <laughs> thing ever. But speaking of bang, and it's kind of funny. I don't know how I do these transitions. Like Josh and I do not discuss yeah. what we're going to talk about before the shows. <laughs> and like I just shoot at the hip and it worked out perfect because we're talking about functional benefits, I guess, today in, in terms of like functional foods. And I think a lot of people, when they think of the energy drink category, they think of functional benefits. And, and that's kind of yeah. where that category is, is steering to. And we could maybe touch on that a little bit, but we have a lot of history um, embedded in functional foods in general, whether it be personal use through our fitness journeys or professional through consulting or me working um, for a Fortune 500 company. And I think the functional benefits, the functional food category is growing quickly. I mean, you've been to Expo West, right? Like, I mean, you you walk through that that and the Expo West is coming up here in, in basically the same weekend of the Arnold, and I think you're going yeah. again. You're going to be exposed to so many new brands of functional foods that you're going to be able to come back to this podcast, to your your platform on YouTube, and just discuss like the next big thing. Last year it was turmeric. The year before that it was like vegan. Um, so we're going to talk maybe about what the next big thing is today too, because you probably have a good insight on that. But let's 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 hit the uh, rewind button, Josh. In terms of when functional foods kind of came to fruition in CPG and dietary supplements, what's your first recollection of, an, of a product that you tried that was supposed to have a functional benefit above and beyond what was expected? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I guess if we're going way back to like childhood, you know, things like fortified vi vitamin uh, C type of uh, orange juice and, mm -hmm. and things like that, because I think that's the. Uh, big misconception around when the term like functional food gets thrown around even by you or I or anybody in uh, the social sphere is that functional foods only means like protein bars or protein added things where it's really like anything that has like a functionality, uh, some type of uh, benefit that they're trying to get out of it. So it could just be like vitamin fortified. It could just be like fiber added. Mm -hmm. So because of that, that gender, that kind of very general definition from like a analyst category, it balloons the size of that category up to like $250 billion because of that. And we don't obviously need to talk about like all these little like fiber added here or just like, you know, a little bit extra vitamin C here, whatever. That's not necessarily probably URI's like definition mm -hmm. of what we consider more functional food. So like fast forwarding into probably more uh, college, I remember eating some protein bars and stuff in between class just because I'd, I kind of stacked my schedule. And I remember grabbing like 
whatever was really on sale on like DPS nutrition or like yeah. those sites that like had like deep discounts. They're still, I think most of them probably are still around in some iteration, but, uh, they, uh, I would just grab a bar, a uh, box of bars and I would eat them in between classes. And that was, let's see, like 2004 or five, you know, those types of time frame when I was freshman, sophomore in college and people were literally looking at me like I was crazy. Like mm -hmm. what, what am I eating? And it's funny now to think like 15 years later, like it's odd not to see somebody eating a protein bar. Yeah. I mean, you walk into a C store gas station, there's almost more protein bars now than there are like Hershey's candy bars. Yeah. It's kind of overcoming it. Um, yeah. You go back to childhood stuff, right? I mean, you're absolutely right on that. I think the one where I actually went out and purchased it was my own money that my mom didn't buy me was the power bar. I think power bar kind of like created the whole protein bar category. They blew up quickly. I, I, the people that started power bar, there's an interesting story behind that too. And we can save that for another day, but um, they came from a big company. Um, like many of these smaller companies that start up and blow up, they came from like a big company. Uh, and then they were eventually acquired. I believe uh, who owns power bar now is it Kellogg. Somebody owns them. Um, um post, uh, post, well, like they spun it off, but yeah, post holding stones. Yeah. Mostly, yeah. So, um, but I mean, that was mine and I would buy them because they were supposed to be better for you than a candy bar. They tasted like shit. They were awful back then. Um, yeah. and, and that's why I think this episode is going to be fun to talk about because functional foods, not just like the benefits haven't changed. Like what, what, uh, brand, brand marketers are, are looking for in terms of benefits haven't changed much over the years. Like it's protein has been kind of consistent. Obviously now there's gut health and, and pro and prebiotics and stuff, but how they evolved the category and grew it was through taste, I think was a big part of it, yeah. um, and accessibility. So, you know, back then, Josh, when you were talking about this, you had to go to DPS Nutrition to buy these things. You couldn't walk into a Walmart, yeah. a Target, a gas station and buy it. It, it just wasn't seen. So, um, you know, the I don't know what the tipping point was, and I'd be interested, especially when we talk about protein bars specifically, like when was the tipping point in which it became the norm? And when these big companies like Target, Walmarts, all these companies said, we need to stock these on our store shelves. We need to give prime real estate to these to these supplements or to these bars um and, and now like you said it's almost weird to see somebody walk out of a gas station with a snickers instead of a yeah. you know an, an outright bar or an mre bar or whatever it might be yeah yeah i mean i don't know what that tipping point was i mean it could have been power bar um i know for for our generation it's probably like quest quest bars was yeah. for most of us like that um at least was a turning phase for me of seeing like complete like mainstream people eating um, these bars. I remember, I might've told the story on this podcast, like in like 2013, 14, that kind of phrase, and like sitting in an airport and looking around and I saw a, a grandma, you know, aged woman uh, eating a Quest bar. And I thought, wow, this is, things have changed. Mm -hmm. Like you would have never seen this before. This is not something that was pretty normal. And I think to your point around the taste, I mean, taste had gotten to such a level that they, tasted like a candy bar. Yeah. And even the kind of the, the bars that were before Quest Bar, those were literally like multi-layer candy bars that yeah. had some that had some protein to them. Then they literally were uh, candy bars. And like have you, have of, you ever had the metrics bars, like the big metrics, like 100 yeah. bars? I mean, that was a candy bar, man, but it was fucking yeah. delicious. It was great. Yeah, it was, it was so good. It was so good. I mean, like those bars, I mean, but you look at the macros on it and you're like, I, I literally could probably just have a Snickers bar and drink a protein shake. And I'd literally have the same breakdown same thing for sure of what I was doing. Yeah. But, um, I think, yeah, tastes around like really functional food. I mean, food in general or, or you know, beverages is, is all taste forward. I think mm -hmm. that people have such a, um, relatability with those products and they're going to bring something to, um, that consumption time. They're going to say like, right. Oh, well I'm used to eating 
a Snickers bar, and they're going to compare everything to a Snickers bar. So then when it's not a Snickers bar, it needs to be close enough to that, or they're going to have like less chance of, of continuing to buy it. It's kind of this like Sally from Iowa that eats a bunch of uh, McDonald's all the time. If you try to give her, um, you know, a greens uh, smoothie or something, she's going to be like, I don't want that. But mm. if you give her something that tastes like a uh, McDonald's milkshake, but is flavored correctly and, and, and tastes great, she has a better chance of sticking with it. Yeah. I mean, Quest, I think, came around at the perfect time for two things. A, the, the category needed something taste forward because power bars were, were chalky and, and just not not tasty. I don't think I've ever had a power bar in my life, and I haven't had one in forever now because obviously there's all these new brands. But also it was like the low carb like trend was coming through. So Quest had this net carbs of like three and four grams because they're using the isopropyl, whatever the hell it was, yeah. um, you know, the, the fibers to bring it down. So not only did you have like 20 grams of protein per bar, you had four grams of carbs, which is nothing, and it tasted good. And the accessibility, because the, initially I was buying them on, I think, bodybuilding.com or something. And then yeah. all of a sudden I saw them, and when I started seeing Quest bars in, in, in the gas stations, that's when I knew, like, this is a trend that's going to, like, continue to rise. Now you walk into a gas station today, and you do see, like, MRE bar from Redcon 1. You see Outright yeah. bar, at least up here in the Midwest. Like, you see these uh, – Outright bar is not really a niche bar in terms of bodybuilding, but MRE bar definitely is. It's a very, very niche, like, bodybuilding bar. And it's in, in these gas stations now, um, and it's all about distribution and accessibility. So, But if, if you look at sports nutrition, too, like, remember the first protein powder you ever taken you, – you took – I bet you it yeah. tasted like I bet you I bet you it, it was yeah. clumpy and it tasted like shit. Yeah. And you look at it now. Uh, I mean, I just tried like I tried the vegan protein powder yesterday for the first time, like uh, of this brand, and it tastes like candy. I mean, this is how far functional foods and, and functional benefit products have come. That they have, yeah. you know, when they first came out, it was like, what are people like? What's the for me and for we benefit? Okay, it's got protein, it's got fiber. They didn't give a shit about taste, but like now, yeah. because everybody's creating something with a functional benefit, like you have to win on taste or branding. And if you can't do that, you're going to be, you're going to be screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, similar kind of experience the other day I was at a contract manufacturer and they kind of gave me a bunch of different things to taste and didn't really tell me what I was tasting. Um, primarily because they were trying to show off some different flavor systems and different technologies that they were working with, um, to mask, some of those things you talked about, like plant proteins or some different uh, mixes of nutraceutical ingredients. And you're like, wow, this tastes just like a whey protein shake that mm. is kind of the top level of taste forward. Um, or, you know, this tastes like crystal light or tastes like things that you would uh, relate to. And you're like, wow, now, you know, you're getting to that level now that flavor systems have, have kind of went crazy and has really just... Um, brought people in like just mainstream consumers can relate to these products based around taste and you mentioned around like convenience stores and, and having a ton of availability now a lot of that is coming from consumers demanding mm -hmm. those products you know you before not many people were buying them um, the category has exploded over the last decade and because of that when you do go into convenience store most people maybe are looking to buy a functional product over a conventional product. They want to get some functionality of it. And if that convenience store doesn't have those in stock and have one of the slots or at least enough of slots available, like the consumer then has to adjust his behavior and maybe go to Walgreens or maybe go to a drugstore, something that's maybe a little less convenient, but still convenient to the point where they can get the products they want. So convenience stores have really changed their merchandising um, completely, a 180 from you know, five, seven years ago where you literally, like you literally barely saw any of this stuff. And then now you go in like to your point, I mean, you see 
10 or so brands. And then each brand has a couple different variants. It's like right. you literally, it's like going into a, a GNC or a vitamin shop now with this, with the selections. It really is. And it's, I mean, for us, it's good. I mean, no longer yeah. do we have to like make sure that we stop at a BP station versus, you know, a shell or whatever, because we know they carry it. I do want to caution people listening to this, like just because a product touts a functional benefit does not necessarily mean it's good for you. I, I think that's yeah. important too, because you, you walk through the grocery store and the, every, every, every product has a protein claim or whatever. Um, or it's fat-free. Keep in mind, like when, when companies take something out of a product, they generally have to put something back in. So like if something's fat-free, what do they put in then? To right, There's always something there on that. Plus, like too much of a good thing is not necessarily a good thing. So the example I want to use is I, I eat a lot of cream of rice because I'm on prep for bodybuilding. And I, at Big Ben's is like the cream of rice, the, the, the one you can find online and find yeah. in stores. It's fortified with iron. Well, if you have too much iron and then you couple that with maybe a you know, high mercury intake from fish and salmon – like it could actually be deadly. So I mean, they're, 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 I mean, that's the extreme, obviously. Um, but and a lot of times too, people are buying things not knowing that they even need it. I mean, it's like you yeah. know, fortified with vitamin D or iron. You might already be sufficient on that. So um, just the tail of the wind there. But I think it, it is cool. And like with Expo West coming up, I'm excited to see what are the new trends this year because they they seem to every year. There's an article that comes out. It's like what are the seven health forward trends of 2020, yeah. right? And then every year those those lists have two or three carryover from the year prior. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I've been removed a bit from that side of things since I left General Mills, and you're still kind of embedding that. Um, not to hop around, but, I mean, Expo West is, is, is a month and a half away. Like, what are you expecting yeah. to see in terms of trends this year in, fun in the functional food space? I think it's going to be – I think there's definitely going to be some continuation from the prior year because I think that some of the um, more, like, bleeding-edge um, type of trends of the last so many years have picked up enough of – pace that it's becoming actually viable. So you're mm -hmm. seeing bigger companies also jump in and it's kind of just adding to this. So I don't know if there's, you know, those kind of just super bleeding edge ones that, that are going to pop up that you're going to say, wow, this is the next big thing. I mean, I hope that's the point of why I go each year is to, to kind of find a few of those things. But I always have to caution myself a lot of times around like, what is fancy and flashy and then what is actually going to be commercially mm -hmm. like viable in the market? Um, because that is a graveyard for just innovative ideas from what most people think about innovative ideas. I always think about innovative ideas over like, is there a usefulness in the market for it? Like if it, if it's not, it's just a great idea that that's not going to you know work because of timing or maybe there's some issue with taste or, or whatever. Um, you know, anybody can make the best food ever that has these crazy macros and crazy different nutraceutical ingredients. And it's going to have all these touted benefits, but like, is somebody going to actually consume it? If right. they don't, it's not really worth anything. It's not really an innovation. It's just a, you know, somebody trying to, to get a little bit crazy there. So I think you're going to see, you know, some definitely some brain um, health and brain um, just like activity, productivity, enhancing things. I think that's going to be a big claim, a uh, functionality that people are going to be trying to figure out. And that's going to be whole foods um, perspective, but also from like nutraceutical ingredients. I think a lot of like the branded um, ingredient places um, are really focusing on more like the, the brain um, health and just like getting a little extra out of it, uh, mm -hmm. kind of the biohacker uh, 101 type of thing. And then I think you're going to see gut health. I think the more that we learn about all that's going on down there and how that kind of equates to some of our health issues and diseases and things like that, I think it's just natural that consumer packaged goods companies find a way to commercialize those findings into mm. 
you know, some type of food. And outside of that, I mean, the the big one that's not technically legal, but I think it's definitely going to be, you know, everybody's going to tie CBD. I think like CBD, everything is still going to be a, the case. I think I'm going to have to really figure out it, what I'm eating this year. Uh, I, last year I had to do the same thing, like make sure, hey, is there C- CBD in this? Because by the time you walk through a thousand or so boots and you try so many of them, you you know you don't you don't want to be in that world uh, yeah. because then everything starts tasting uh, great and and you start getting a little bit <laughs> a little bit wonky and it's in California as well so you never know what uh, actually sometimes uh, you know some of these entrepreneurs have as well when you're just like in tasting mode and you forget yeah. to ask you know sometimes what's in things their full spectrum CBD contains more than 0.3 percent THC is probably what we're saying in California yeah. you might you might be getting a, a full fledged there um, I think yeah you hit, hit hit on a lot I think another thing too just to add to that is I, I, more vegan alternatives, I think, are going to be something that we keep seeing. Yeah. Of. One thing that I was looking at at Mills, and it's now kind of come to fruition in the supermarkets, is, is this concept of what can we derive from oats, right? So now you see oat milk, and you see oat yeah. butter, and you see – and people listening to this might be like, what the fuck are you talking about, oat milk and oat butter? Like there yeah. are a lot of products now in, in the refrigerating session of stores that are oat milk, oat dairy – it's not dairy, yeah. but like, right, dairy alternatives – and I, I, I wonder if we're going to see that, if that does pick up, if we're going to see that trickle into our world in sports nutrition in terms of, you know, like we have these RTDs and stuff they're coming out with. Is there a way that we can use like oats more in this category? But I think that big CPG in general is always looking at the, the veganism movement and seeing like how can we approach this differently and what can we do? Because there's so many things out there that can have benefits. And you mentioned one too, like brain health, like mushrooms has been something that's been pretty popular in Europe for a while. And you kind of, for here, it was weird. You go through, say, a checkout line at like a co-op or a Whole Foods, and you'd see some like Rahishi mushroom or lion's mane mushroom type yeah. product that um, would just be at, at, at a checkout line. I mean, people would be like, what the, who's going to eat that? Yeah. But there's so many people telling the benefits of brain health and cognitive enhancing functions that I think this concept of, of mushroom infused, whatever it might be, in a good way, not like the mushrooms that our dad and, and our grandpas hung out with back in the day. Like we're talking about the, the functional mushrooms that um, we can see in the market today. That might be something to look forward to. But I think you're right with CBD. I mean, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a thing that's not going away and it's going to be here for a while that that probably will be the dominant talking point at your, your show this year for sure. Yeah, and magic mushrooms are actually getting decriminalized in certain places, so you never know. Those mushrooms that our parents or grandparents used to eat, eat might be coming around in, in, in a viable option for us in our lifetime, so you never know. But um, I think one of the drivers I, is around like age groups as well. Mm-hmm. I think we, we didn't really kind of talk about maybe what is the, the gasoline on the fire here, and it's I, I think I saw some surveys recently around um, they were talking about functional foods and like how the different generations think about that within their healthy lifestyle, like how important is it into their healthy lifestyle? And I think millennials, our age was like 88% literally said that functional foods were an important part of like a healthy lifestyle. And that was like double the uh, next one of, of generation X. I think mm-hmm. that was somewhere around 40 and then baby boomers were somewhere in the thirties. So millennials being now like kind of the biggest generation being in the height of their earning you know, world, they're starting to get you know, some money behind them. They're asking for these products um, and have the ability to buy them. And they realize that they're important to their life and they're looking to optimize however possible. And if that's just simply like adding a little bit of extra functionality to a conventional product they're used to eating or drinking, then that's what they're doing. And they're demanding that. And it's kind of going the whole way up, you know, the cycle you have retailers that have to stock it. You have 
brands that need to create the products. You have the contract manufacturers or the ingredient houses or the flavor houses that then have to create products that are going to be best um, to go down cycle for people to buy it. And it's like this whole kind of um, cycle that's creating and it's creating a machine that's now just attracting everybody into it. People are like, well, why am I just drinking or eating a conventional product when you know, it tastes the same and I can get an extra couple grams of protein or an extra little bit of probiotics or vitamins or whatever it is. And it's not really affecting my uh, satiation with the product. I still feel great about eating it, um, but now I'm getting a little extra benefit off of it. Functional foods will become conventional. Yeah. It's going to happen. I mean, when Josh is talking about conventional, we're still talking about like the items with no claims. I mean, basically just your generics, your, your private label store brand stuff that typically, I mean, even private label has functional benefits. I mean, it's not yeah. like they don't. But it also the cost has been driven down significantly on these items, which makes it more accessible, especially for millennials who like to save money. I mean, they don't, I mean, but they also, they, I mean, I think if you look at the millennial category, which I'm in that, I believe you're in, we're both in that, yep. right? Um, like if you, if you would survey us in terms of spend, like we are willing to spend more on food for our health, you know, versus like our parents would probably say, okay, I'm, I'm willing to spend less on food and, and other things. But, um, but also the cost, cost being driven down and mixed with our combination of wanting to spend more on, on food for our health makes the, that's why I'm not shocked at the 88% number that you threw out there if, if that's what it was. Um, and you look at um, Gen Z who's going to come behind us, it's probably gonna be even more. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just, it's, you, you look at the things that were cool when we were kids, like, candy, um, candy cigarettes. I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I mean, all these things like, you know, smoking numbers are down, candy consumption is down, soda consumption is down. Like, there's all these things that, I mean, McDonald's is still booming, but they also have different menus today. But, like, they evolved with the time. So um, I think it's fun to look at the functional benefits within our space, too, because this last year in 2019, we saw a bunch of new products that came out that weren't your traditional pre-workout branched-chain amino acid or protein powders. And if it was a protein powder, it had something extra added to it. And what we're seeing now, which I think is super interesting, like I'll use a brand, uh, I think it's called Myavi, Miavi is how you pronounce it, collagen protein. Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I'm not for or against collagen protein, but they just recently released, like in the last two weeks, a collagen protein targeted at children, at kids, with like a kangaroo on it. Like, that's where we're coming to. Like, we are starting yeah. to target children now because parents know... I need protein, so does my kids. And you see that in big CPG too. You look at like Organ Valley, the milk, um, they have functional benefits for kids. Or you look at Fairlife, which is, I mean, obviously they're in the news recently with the, the abuse of the animals, but they also have like an Omega 369 chocolate milk and just different things, yeah. you know, targeted more for functional benefits in a traditional category that's been pretty fucking stale for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think every category at this point is going through this reinvention phase and then these big CPG players are saying, um, we have to make changes. We have to figure out what this is because a lot of the smaller emerging brands, startups are going towards that. They realize there are parents our age that are like, well, why do I want to serve my kids what I ate as a kid? Because that was really what the only option. Now yeah. there's options. There, uh, you, you don't have to just choose that cheap conventional product that has been around for the last 100 years. It could be something new and exciting because it is just as great from a quality standpoint, from a pricing standpoint, from it, but it also gives you exactly what you're looking for, mm-hmm. for yourself or your kids or, or whatever it is. It's just, you know, we're kind of in this consumerism phase of like, there's so many options, which is 
good and bad for the consumer. It's great because literally you can get whatever you want. There's a, there's a company for everybody. There's a product for everybody. Um, you have to cut through the noise to actually get to it, which is kind of a, a struggle right now with a lot of consumers. And, but from the brand side, you also um, you have a ton of competition, so it's tough on that side. But you have a lot of consumers that are interested in trying new ideas. You know, you have the ability to create things that people are interested in buying, and you don't have to be around for a hundred years for somebody to pick it up and try it. Right. Before our parents' age, like literally, they picked up the brand name stuff, um, or if you know whatever it was from a money perspective or whatever, they 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 bought the private label, they bought the store level mm -hmm. thing, and that was. Um, that was their choices. There wasn't like there was a ton of, of choices on shelf or in Amazon that has, you know, 5,000 of every single variety of every product possible. Yeah. It's fun, man. It's fun. And, and, and like I, I, for me, for what I do for a living and covering the, the sports nutrition industry primarily, but you obviously get to cover a bigger portion of, I mean, you cover our industry, but you also, you know, you're in the whole foods capital of the world. So you see a lot more than yeah. I do, but I think like 2020 innovation, you look at some of your companies that we work with closely, like they're all thinking functional benefits in terms of products that they release. They're not thinking like what's the coolest, most hard-hitting pre-workout I'm going to come up with this year. Yeah. They're thinking about like what greens product can I come up with? What type of things from you know, companies like Futureceuticals who has you know, greens and, and, and fruits ingredients that give you a full serving of vegetables you know, per serving of whatever. Like, I mean, Inspired Futureceuticals Inspired has a greens formula this year um, that's, that's very well done that a lot of people are looking at saying, okay, this is what consumers are starting to look for now. Like, what functional benefit can we give? If it's not just protein, what else can we do? Okay, let's add probiotics to our protein powder. Let's add prebiotics and probiotics to our greens powders. And I think that there's a huge room for growth in our category on these types of products, but it also requires education, which is where you know, like, I come in and the brands have to come in because, yeah, you know, it, it's not it's not the sexiest product. Like a greens product is not super sexy, and I don't know what the numbers are. You know, if if you look at company. Um, take Ghost, for instance. We talk about them all the time, right? Ghost, uh, their pre-workout versus a greens formula if, if then when they come out with one. Like, their pre-workout is always going to outsell the greens. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be that yeah. way. Um, you look at the company's fish oils and things like that. They don't sell nearly as much as, like, their performance partners. But as a consumer, if you're listening to this, like, you need to start thinking about that because Josh alluded to something earlier, too, like your gut health. Like, everything kind of stems from the gut. That's what we've learned over the last couple of years. Hence why a lot of these brands are trying to educate consumers on gut health and why they're coming out with these products that are maybe a little bit more higher priced than normal. But there's huge benefits to it over a pre-workout or amino acid. And, I mean, yes, the protein bar category is still functional first, and it's still booming and, and whatnot. But I'm, I'm interested in to see, like, what the powder category comes out with this year. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're seeing this evolution in every category um, because I think there's owners that are starting to get very thoughtful in the way that they're approaching products. They're saying, well, we can't just create the same stuff everybody else is. Mm -hmm. So like, what are we actually trying to achieve here? What should each ingredient provide? Right. And it doesn't need to be the kitchen sink thing or let's try to stack the cards uh, just with a hefty dose of, of whatever so it makes it look good. It's like, what is actually, what am I trying to get to? What am I trying to? So you're seeing these, you know, very thoughtful greens products or you're seeing uh, now some pre-workouts that are now going down in the stimulants, but also adding maybe some more cognitive things or nootropics or things that are going to help a consumer actually get a bigger benefit off the product than just ramping up, um, you know, themselves with a bunch of caffeine and then crashing. Mm -hmm. It's it, it, things are starting to slowly turn around towards like actually providing products that are going to create some element of like wellness and, and actually provide a benefit over a short-term um, sensory 
type of thing. And, mm-hmm. and that's always been the way of the sports nutrition industry is like, let's just ramp up the sensory um, as long as we can get somebody to feel like they're scratching or they uh, have so much energy or they're flushed or whatever, then the consumer's like, yeah, great. I love it. And I don't think that that necessarily goes away or goes away at a very fast pace. But I think that the more good people start to educate, the more that you start to get these products that are very well composed and actually thinking about the benefit off of the product over just, you know, trying to create some false um, you know, kind of a feeling off of it. I think that that's going to just create some momentum. I, I don't necessarily think that's going to change the industry in the next couple of years, but I think over time you'll see that. And you made a comment about like most uh, brands um, that, you know, have their pre-workout um, followed by, you know, like you know, proteins always usually if, um, if a protein is good and a brand is big, usually proteins their number one seller. Cause that's usually what the biggest that's the biggest category by far. Then you have pre-workout. But I do know a few brands, big brands that they um, actually have a greens powder that is like one of their top three SKUs. And it's very interesting to think about a sports nutrition brand that has a top three selling um, greens product that is like up there with their Mm pre-workout. And you're like, this, this would have never happened before. This was always the um, things you would buy at a Sprouts or a Whole Foods. Like nobody was really buying a greens powder as a normal, like active nutrition buyer, um, you just didn't see people adding that into their uh, mixes. And now all of a sudden it's people are asking for it. They're like, Oh man, I'd love to get a, you know, really great greens powder that has all these different added benefits to it. Cause I think people are starting to realize that a lot of the things that they were doing in the short term to like, they thought they were benefiting their health really is just like actually doing the the opposite. And they need to start thinking more holistically about their wellness or their health. I've been critical of First Form on many different things before, but they, they definitely did something with their, their OptiGreens and created the popularity around it. And I think yeah. they're probably one of the brands that you're alluding to, maybe not. You saw, like, yeah, you saw where I was going. Yeah, on I one. mean, yeah. just because like that's probably the most popular greens formula within our category outside of the, like your amazing grass that you'd see at or Sprouts or Whole Foods or Costco. Um, I think that they, they're in their Reds formula, which are, you know, you see the, their Legion of Boom talking about it all the time. But I think, you know, on, 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 outside of that, it's done a good job of raising education and awareness on why we need greens. But listen, we don't eat vegetables like we used to. All right. And if we do eat the vegetables that we used to, they're not the same that they used to be. So it's all this stuff that goes into it. And I think that's the way our industry needs to think. And then hopefully that gets us into less trouble, you know, like hopefully there's less issues and we're not, we're not creating crackheads with all these Simdel pre-workouts and stuff. We can actually provide some sort of functional benefit that is health for, because at the end of the day in our industry, fitness and nutrition and supplementation should be about bettering your health, not, not taking a step backwards. And I'm a huge advocate for anything that steps things forwards. And there's a, there's a plethora of products out there that I think that should not exist, but Hey, it's a free country. You can take and do what you want. Um, but I guess, you know, I, am excited to see like this category or our category, our industry evolve towards this. I'm excited to see what comes out from Expo West and what, you know, what, what are the, what is Kellogg's and what is, you know, General Mills and all these big ass companies, like what do they think is the next big trend? What, and are they going to tip it and make it be sort of like, you know, no longer the, the taboo, but like the norm. And if you're not consuming these products, like you're the weird one, like you mentioned protein bars, if you're not eating protein bars, you're the fucking weirdo. Like it's 2020 (laughs) start eating protein bars, Josh. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, Expo West is interesting because, and, and a lot of people maybe listening to this have never been there or even know what Expo West maybe is. It's it's basically the um, Whole Foods equivalent of like an Arnold or an Olympia where you just have a bunch of brands kind of touting their next thing. Uh, but it's only um, 
trade. It's not uh, consumers can't get in. Mm-hmm. You have to have credentials. Uh, you have to be a retailer or consultant or service provider or something like that. And um, but you have also this kind of weird uh, mix of like startups, emerging brands, like very small brands. And then you have these like mega corporations mm-hmm. that also are there. So to, to Ryan's point, like a Kellogg's or you know, the uh, Chobani's or, or things like that, that are also putting on these massive boosts touting their functional or healthy natural products um, out of their mix of, of, of a ton of different things. So you see them jumping on trends that are a lot farther in the cycle. So like the ketos or even like now we're talking like plant-based type stuff, but it's like the more basic plant-based stuff. You'll see them touting those as like their innovation. But yeah. um, it's, it's interesting because those um, to them and to the more um, middle America, it is the innovations because those aren't really on shelf yet to the point of if you're living in Austin or if you're living in LA or New York city or things like that, where these cities where they're a little bit quicker on adding those products. But, uh, you know, somebody, Sally from Iowa, she doesn't, she doesn't see that in her local, um, you know, hy or something like that. She, she might, but odds are she probably doesn't see as much as other people. So yeah. it's this weird mix of like, you know, longer into the uh, growth stage type of companies of trends. And then also you see these companies that are touting, um, you know, the, the, the tree bark water that uh, has, you know, this, this benefit over a coconut water. And you're like, man, I've never even knew that you could, you could extract water out of, you know, an oak tree or something. You're like, I I didn't know that. (laughs) It's amazing. When you look at Expo West and we'll end it on this, like if you look at some of the small startup companies there, chances are many of them are going to be acquired or, or ripped off from one of the bigger companies. And like, I recall a story that, um, at Mills one time, my old boss, the booth was right next to a, a little tiny company that was trying to make a protein-rich ice cream called Halo Top. And uh, you look to see what happened with them. All right? they, yeah. they overtook yeah. Ben Jerry's as the number one pint ice cream in, the, in America. So it's, it's a lot of cool things can come from this, and that really is a functional um, product. So you know, one day you could be sitting on at the hotel bar having beers with the owner of Halo Top, a no-name company, and next thing you know, you see them being a, I don't even know what they're worth, something crazy. Um, and, yeah. but so, um, I'd love to hear you guys' feedback too. If you guys are out there on the functional benefit train and consuming something that maybe might not be as popular today as it could be, we'd like to hear that because I think those are cool things that we'd like to look into on a personal level as well. And if it's worth talking about here on the podcast, we will. Any topics of, of consideration, obviously hit us up on our Facebook page. We are on iTunes, Spotify, and on YouTube. Jay Shaw Consulting or Josh Shaw is out there. You notice how Josh like casually uh, laid out, you have to have credentials to get into Expo West. You see, you see what he did there? He's just trying to let you all know he's a big fucking deal. And he is a big fucking deal. So um, until next week, it is Josh Shaw, Ryan Buckeye. Y'all hang loose and take care. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and more. Follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook, Two Guys, One Cup, Instagram, and Twitter.